0: The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities and future plans.
1: This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS.
0: And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Angel Navarro. I am an alumni class of 2020. I am from the Philippines. I'm a Filipina. I was in the FMCG industry or still in the FMC, FMCG industry for almost 13 years now. Um, I'm currently employed as an account executive for um, PM Fresh, which is a fresh food company.
1: We have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. We'd love to know what have you been doing since graduation?
2: And luckily, a few weeks after my graduation, um, I joined Philip Morris International, which I've worked for before, back in the Philippines. They took me in as a territory manager handling Tasmania remotely at that time. Um, I was with them six eight months until we my family and i decided to move here in sydney last december and because of my husband's work now that we're based here um i've now worked for pm fresh which is a fresh food company handling the accounts of woolworths they are so so very experimental super in oh my goodness They want you to try things, try to make products. It's okay to make mistakes. If the recipe is crap, then we'll try again. (laughs) Um, They encourage you to make mistakes because how do you actually find new products when we don't try it? How did we discover new flavors of chocolates, for instance, or soda?
1: What about the the career progression? Because, you know, you've held several different jobs and you went from territory manager to now you're an account executive. So that's that's a pretty big step. How do you go about actually making those jumps, the big ones?
2: Um, What I always tell um, in the interview what, what they fear most when I go for interviews, they always ask me is that we're scared that you'll get bored because when they look at my CV, um, they've seen that I've always uh, already been a people manager of how i handled the region. And what I always tell them is that you need to remember that that was a different market that I managed before, different culture, um, and a different basically industry altogether when you compare it to here. The reason that um, I guess, when you're put in that position in a higher responsibility or a bigger scope, they have to look at your potential of learning um, and your eagerness to always develop yourself. And they can see that because when I told them why I had a career break um, in 2018, and the reason being because I wanted to make sure that I'm equipped for the next best thing, Um, I'm the kind of person who always looks forward to developing myself and growing myself even further so this is the reason why I had to have a career break for two years and focusing myself in MBA and specializing in digital management because the industry now is in the digital space now if I want to put myself out there and the end goal is to be a director in one of the company that I'm going to join, then I need to make sure that I'm ready for it and I'm skilled for it. So when they see that um, thinking, cause that's always how they also check the boxes. Now when they do interviews, they look at how you frame things, how you think, how you process situations. They see that, Oh, you, you're not just a territory manager. Your career path is actually you can do this and this and this. You've been in sales. You've done marketing. You've been a commercial planner managing. So you have basically equipped myself that she's ready for any role and she's willing to learn.
1: If we step back, actually, and look at your field, because I didn't actually know what an FMCG was until I took consumer psychology at KBS. So. In the industry of FMCGs or fast moving consumer goods, you went from sales to marketing and you've worked with soda pop and cigarettes. So can you explain a bit about what it is actually like? Because that's a very different sort of sales to say an expensive or less frequently purchased item, a TV software or an insurance policy. And also, is there a big difference in between sales for things like soda pop, cigarettes and fresh food?
2: Difference in the industry, no. You are basically, you actually basically have the same consumers or basically the same demographics of consumers. It's just that the portfolio is different. So basically the product is different. So when we say FMCG fast moving consumer goods, it's what we use every day and what goes out of shelves very quickly. So you put it there this morning, it could be gone in 10, 15 minutes. We say fast moving consumer goods because the trends also move very fast. So, the goal there is to move faster than the market. So, you have to forecast every time. um, Where are we going to be a week from now, three months from now, six months from now? Um, Some companies, like my companies, would always have long range plannings three years and five years ahead. So, we forecast how consumers or customers behave, buy things um, in. In the future we also look at trends now what is just a niche market um, in the next year or next few months and what is a growing market for instance the new markets for instance the millennials what are they going to like next year so we'll have to be ahead of them and make sure that the product is actually available for them to buy and excite them next year and the years to come so from the three companies, uh, soda, tobacco, fresh food, it's not much difference. Um, the only difference there is because in soda um, and tobacco, there are a lot of laws around it and policies that you need to make sure that you follow, especially on advertising um, and engaging with consumers. So because tobacco is a very, very dark market here in Australia, so there are no advertising. Soda, there is um, some advertising, but um, the branding and the ingredients part of it has to abide by the policies as well. Um, Fresh food for, on the other hand, is more on how do we actually make them buy healthier food and finding out what they like and the taste preference now of the millennials or families now what do they need to have in their homes so that they have it um, by next year or because the trend now is working from home and doing things at home is it something that um, they need to be cooked quickly or something in larger bags, for instance, so that they can cook for the family, not just for a single person. So looking at that behavior is the only difference. But the, the way that the market moves, we all look at the same numbers. We all look at Aztec, Nielsen, all those big companies that give, that give you insights to drive your portfolio and to drive growth for your products.
1: I'm just interested, actually, in um, in terms of getting your work at Philip Morris, because we actually have a guest who's going to be on later this season who yeah. worked at Philip Morris International as well. She's in yeah. in Budapest, Hungary. Oh, and wow. when I told her I'd I'd just done an interview with you, she had she said the same. Oh, I worked for them. And so, um, and that, this happens with alumni. You know, they they oh, I worked for this or that company o- overseas. Um, how did you? communicate that here did you reach out to them because of that or just communicated on your resume what was the process like
2: um this is one of the things that we I actually learned when I I did my MBA was to make sure that you will build your network um and you never burn bridges when you leave a company because sooner or later, the industry is very small and everybody knows everybody. Hey, um, So what I did was actually a few weeks before my graduation, I actually reached out to my colleagues back home and I let them know that I'm finishing my MBA in a couple of weeks and I'm looking for an opportunity here. So my my friends, my colleagues who are back in the Philippines, what they did was to reach out. To the HR team that's based here, but I also looked at the hiring um, LinkedIn um, and then I saw that there was an opportunity for a territory manager. Clicked on that, um, but I didn't stop there as well. Although I have references back in the Philippines, I actually reached out to the HR head who led the commercial team here and sent him a note, um, just letting him know that I've worked for them for the past 12 years back in the full piece. And I'm keen to apply for this role, specific role. And also actually directly messaged the state manager for Victorian tests. So just uh, doing my research and making sure that you put your foot forward, you put yourself out there because you don't really have, what I was thinking at the back of my mind, I will be competing with hundreds if not thousands, who were looking for jobs at that time. I had to make sure that it's my responsibility to put myself out there, which in the end, when I spoke to the HR team and they told me, they actually thanked me to make sure that they saw my CV because they had to sift through hundreds and hundreds of CV just to find the right fit but because I reached out to them directly and there was a reference back home and there was a note coming from the HR team that I actually was trying to reach out to them this actually helped a lot and you know pushed me to the top and get that interview going so yeah you have to do the the work the legwork
1: it wasn't. Easy. Wow. Yeah, well, it sounds like you you really used every communication 100%. channel possible.
2: 100%. Um, I wanted, um it I guess that's also one of the key things that we need to understand that if you want something enough you have to do what it takes to be out there. You have nothing to lose to just be sending out um, a note just to tell them that you're keen and you're willing to learn what they look for now in companies is the character that agility that flexibility and when you you know that you're what you're applying for is actually sales speaking to account owners if you're not brave enough to put yourself out there how how do you actually speak to people you haven't met before or present to them or fix issues when they're screaming in your face. <laughs> how do you be calm and, and composed? So those are the, they, they look for character now, how how strong your character is, how um, resilient you are when it comes to these things. So,
0: What's the difference between working for FMCG and a culture in, in a Philippine company versus Australia? Do people... Are work habits different? Do we talk about different things?
2: I've said this before. I think I've said this in the first few weeks. Uh, I was in uh, Philip Morris Australia, and that was actually the first few things that they asked me. What's the difference between the market of the Philippines and Australia? What I actually told them: same thing, just different cast. <laughs> so the, the culture of the company was the same. This is because Philip Morris International is such a very well-oiled machine. It's a global company that made sure that the standards of each market is the same. So the way we do things, the culture, the the way we handle people and talent is at the same standards. Um, the market platform though, um, is there are some uniqueness to it. In the Philippines, there's a lot of very small t- stores that you handle. For instance, the universe of The stores in the Philippines would be in thousands um, because there's some small stores like what you see when you go to Vietnam or Thailand. So small convenience stores compared to here in Australia. We have convenience stores and specialists. It's fewer, but um, the demand is the same. So the market platform is just different. Um, that's just the difference. But the way we interact with store owners and clients and doing promotions is basically the same process. And people are the same too. <laughs> People are warm. Um, I guess the only difference as well is language, but because the Philippines is majorly an English country as well, we speak English. Um, the accent is different um, because we were taught in a very Western accent. Uh, but... It was easier for me to actually communicate um, when I came here in Australia. Because of that advantage, we were able to speak English. So there wasn't really much gap in communications and the delivery of marketing and doing business was very easy to do.
0: Karen asked a couple of questions and we're keen to find out. Yes. Did you experience any culture shock when you came from the Philippines into Australia?
2: Culture shock. Um, in a very positive way, though, um, there is a lot of advantages when I actually work here compared to the Philippines. I guess what I'm trying to say is it was it was more or less toxic. Um, When I say less toxic, there's more work-life balance. Um, Because back in the Philippines, I used to travel a lot um, because I was handling a region. But here, if it's a weekend, I really don't hear my email (laughs) at all. Or when it's uh, like past five o'clock, no one dares to call you when you're on a holiday. Um, But back in the Philippines, it's more of a um, 24 seven, you're like a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) you <laughs> will be on call and you're expected to pick up. Um, yeah, but yes, it, there's some culture difference. Um I guess here you really put importance of spending time with family. Um and You know, making sure that your people have that time for themselves as well to take care of themselves and their family. I know that we've been trying very hard to do that as well back home, but it's really quite difficult because the market there, it's like moving fast and competition is really tough too.
0: Angel, we're talking about work-life balance, and I agree. It's certainly something that's important to me. I'd like to ask what keeps you motivated to wake up in the morning and continue going to work? In other words, what inspires you to continue on?
2: Motivation. Where does the motivation come from? Why do you wake up in the morning? There's this book from Simon Sinek. It's starting with why. So there has to be a reason and a purpose on why we do things. Why did I take up my MBA? It was for me to equip myself. Why did I do different roles in in different departments because I wanted to learn how the business actually runs. Now, the courage comes from, because I have a goal. Um, If I don't put myself out there, if I'm not strong enough, how can they trust me with things? Um, I know for a hundred percent of, I have a lot of mentors and my bosses, they all tell me, we didn't know anything. um, When we started in a role, we had zero knowledge about processes and we had, a lot of people helped us understand how the business works and the key thing there is to collaborate, to ask questions, to keep learning. And that's where I guess my courage comes from that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to ask questions. Um, and it hasn't been just all oh, yeses for me as well. When I put my CVs out there, I've also had a lot of rejections. I've memorized all the standard email rejections that you get from LinkedIn and from other companies who ghost you from applying, And then you, add, you get it from after a couple of weeks and that's fine. And that's the reality of it. I mean, it is what it is. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you don't give up um, the the famous and most successful people did, didn't get successful overnight they've had a lot of major failures as well and it's from the mistakes and from the failures that we learn and if we're afraid to actually make mistakes how do we actually learn from it
1: that's uh yeah that's great i mean i think it's it's really important to examine motivation like that and um well, I mean, if you look back at your MBA and obviously you have, you had clear reasons for doing it, which is really great. And um, you invested a lot in the, in the careers aspect. Um, were there any other parts of it that you felt made a, made an impact on, on your future career or, or, you know, stories that you think were very relevant to, to the choices you've made since? Um, a lot
2: of my experience in my, in MBA actually was very significant um, in looking for an industry um, moving forward. I know that Philip Morris has to have built my career from, from the beginning. Um, so good to me, that company, I've built my career with them. Um, but during my MBA as well, there's um there are classes that was given by Dr. Ray. I always remember her because I loved her classes. I love her because she really said uh, the reality of it. Um, And this is what I experienced as as well when I was working. Um, And it really resonated because I knew from the fact that the way she she taught her classes that she was trying to build leaders. Um, And true to Kaplan's culture that you are, this the Kaplan, the KBS culture itself is trying to build leaders out out of the students she encouraged us to share, to participate, and to actually network um, with the class. And when that actually happened, you see the dynamic in the class of learning each other's culture. And this is actually what actually happens in when you're in a corporate world. You have to learn to collaborate, to speak to other departments, to different cultures
0: are there other leaders are, you know, some people have movie stars, some people read books. Is there, is there a particular person that people might know of who actually inspires you, who you'd like to be like?
2: One of the books that I mentioned earlier was starting with why Simon Sinek is a very good author and a fantastic, fantastic um, um, speaker as well. He does um, a lot of Ted talks and an inspirational speaker as well. Um, I've watched a lot of his talks, and he has one of one other book that I also like, which is Together is Better. It looks like a children's book, but when you dig deeper from that book, it's actually something that you can apply when you're um, working in a company because when they say no man is an island, it, it's actually true. And to be honest, I've learned that the hard way before because I'm super competitive and my boss had to like, me back, it's like you just left your team there. Um, <laughs> and together is better is something that we need to understand, especially now when everything is so cutthroat in the industries, so everything is so competitive. Um, when you read that book, when you listen to Simon Sinek, who I actually um, like very much when he speaks, because he's very passionate. Um, he's someone that inspires you and can actually relate with, um, I guess. Um, but inspiration wise, I think I would, I've always looked up to one of my directors um, back home. He was, um was Colombian, um, Lalo, his name. Um, he is very funny, um, but he's the director that actually pulled me out of sales and put me into marketing, which I hated at first. Um, Because I didn't know anything about marketing. Um, I was in sales for the longest time. I was so good at it. Um, It was my forte and I didn't want to get out of that comfort zone. Like, why would I have already, I'm there. (laughs) Just put me in sales. I can do it in my sleep. But he said, no, I'm going to put you in a short-term assignment and I'm moving you to the head office, and I want you to do marketing, which I didn't know anything about, which I cried on the first day um, because I was so scared to make a mistake, but he told me that the reason why you're here is because you told me that your career path is to be a region manager, and this is the boxes that you need to take to get there, so he was the one who actually taught me that when you have a goal there are boxes to tick and you focus on those boxes and you don't give up Um, and he was actually very inspirational he has moved to different countries and different markets and he's like a a mentor who tells you that when you make a mistake that it's not the end of the world (laughs) <laughs> that it's fine. Um, we may have made a product and invested eight months in it and we'll have to bin it after three months. Then it is what it is. Um, we is. didn't succeed this time, but we'll try again and that's fine. Um, just as long as you know what went wrong. <laughs> so when you go to the senior management team, you can't just say, I don't know. <laughs> You'll need to know your numbers, and you need to know the facts um, with what actually happened. And he is very strong-willed as well. Um, because when I said no, he said no as well. I said no, you're going. Um, <laughs> he's like a dad, basically. Um, He is one of the person or one of the people who actually inspired me as well to do my MBA because that's also one of the boxes that I needed to tick. Um, And it was also my husband who told me that if you're going to do your MBA, you're not going to do it in the Philippines. We're going to do it overseas so that you'd stop working. So you finish it. (laughs) Because he knew um, that if I was working while I was doing MBA, that I'm never going to (laughs) finish besides keep working. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, where do you feel you need to grow as a leader? Is it managing more people or is it giving another skill or where do you think your future lies?
2: Um, To be honest, I know what my next role goal is. Um, I've always had that. um, I've always given myself a deadline, uh, to be honest. Um, I don't stay in a role more than 18 months. Um, That's always been a target of mine. And the reason being, um, I've learned this from my mentors as well. If you want to move forward and if you want to grow your career in a company, you have to be clear. What do you want? And you have 18 months to do that. Or no, 12. And then we'll tick off if you have reached those KPIs and then we'll move ahead. So you give yourself six to eight months to learn the business, Um, quickly learn. So you basically hit the ground running, um, what the industry is like, find out the gaps where you can come in, look at the opportunities as well and how you can grow them and then hit those KPIs really hard in the next 12 months and hopefully get onto the new role. My target, to be honest, is to not really manage people, but to manage a bigger account for this current company that I
1: have. That's wonderful. I I love that drive and, um, and the ambition, it sounds like it's, it's a definite recipe for success. That's fantastic. And, um, and I guess just uh, anything else that you see on the future angel, um, what is on the horizon for you? Um, if we, if we did this interview in, in say six months,
2: um next to the horizon i'm also looking forward to actually coaching people it's we I've, i've learned this in kaplan as well we when we try to develop ourselves we also should try and help other people and coach other people i've always been an advocate of it i've i've discussed this with Adam as well when I've, I've coached um, current students my fellow students to do internships and to coach them prior to doing it and, and I've love I've loved it I've loved it ever since I would share with them my experience with with my company when I did my internship and what to do prior. Um, I've always told them to plan ahead and not do it in the last term of the course um, and to make sure to do their interviews prior Um, and not to be scared to do an internship and to make sure that they have that experience in an Australian industry because that is key when you're applying for a career or a job After your MBA, when they see in your CV that you have a network, that you've had already an experience in Australia um, working, even as an intern, they value that. They see that, oh, you've already put yourself out there and you've already been in the Australian culture. And that's fantastic. And you can actually get references. And for all you know, the company that you've done your internship, they well, hire you and keep you after that, which actually happened to me as well. Um, The company that I did my internship offered me um, a full-time role after my internship. So I I highly encourage it. And I hope that um, I can keep doing that and coaching students um, and sharing with them what to do. Um, Some of my colleagues still call me, uh, (laughs) to ask for tips, um, and what to do and to, when, what to do when, when they go out for interviews, there's a lot of uh, doubts, (laughs) um, and rejections that happen right now. Um, and what I always tell them is uh, not to give up. It's a, it's fine. It's rejection email won't kill you. Nothing, nothing that hurts you in words will, it's just going to pass and it's not the end of the world. Just make sure you go back to your CV. Listen to Adam Murphy when he tells you to fix your CV. Uh, And look at the job profile again of what they're looking for. Um, Fix grammar mistakes, something simple as that. Because sometimes when we send our CVs, we forget to review that and, hiring managers actually look and read that. <laughs> um so you have to be make you have to make sure that your C V is pristine. Um yes um that's that's where I see six months from now I'd still be probably working for this current company and hopefully coaching on the side.
0: I'm a little bit taken aback because it was <laughs> really fun and I kind of don't want it to end. So we better... <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, Angel, um, you've, you've sure. done wonderfully. Thank you so
1: much.
2: Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. And you had wonderful questions as well. It was very interesting. And I'm really looking forward to working with you guys with a new program. Coming from KBS, it's something to be very, very proud of.
0: The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Karen Howard and me dr richard stager the podcast is published every wednesday night search for the kaplan community podcast on your favorite podcast player including apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and stitcher we invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our linkedin group search for the kaplan business school alumni community please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.